Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Napier podcast, Marketing B2B Technology. Today, I've got Chip House, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of SharpSpring uh, on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Chip. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It's great to have you on. So um, how long have you been at SharpSpring? You, you know, I started during COVID, which has is, is been qu- quite, a, quite a rush, a very unusual experience uh, for my memoirs someday, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, about six, seven months. Uh, I've been at SharpSpring now, and you know, I, I it's exactly the type of company that I was really excited to to join. I've been in marketing technology and SaaS technology for you know, 20, 25 years, and um, uh, you know, more recently, I was I was doing a, a startup more in the HR space, and I you know spent some time doing uh, e-commerce also recently. But the bulk of my career has been in. Uh, you know, email marketing, uh, digital marketing, um, and so it's it's good to be back. I guess selling marketing technology to to marketers and other companies that want to grow. Great, and obviously, I mean, SharpSpring is one of the better known um, marketing automation platforms. So, what particular attracted you to marketing automation as a as a market? Well, uh, for for SharpSpring specifically, or for or for me, Mike. Uh, for you, yeah. Well, um, like, like I mentioned, you know, I, I really I came from a direct marketing background, really a catalog marketing <laughs> background, and you know, in it was with a company called Fingerhut Corporation in the late '80s, which at one point was a very very sizable company with four million loyal customers that we sold um, as many things as like Sears or J.C. would. Uh, via catalog marketing, but it was a highly um, targeted, uh, you know, marketing company, highly analytical, and you know, I, I that was a, an amazing foundation for when I be, when I moved into email marketing and and having that uh, you know knowledge of uh, of direct marketing, uh, you know, and, and targeting and. Uh, working out uh, segments and which which ones you can profitably send into, and you know email marketing just blew my mind in uh, the early 2000s. Um, for it a for it a period of time there, um, I was working for an e-commerce company and we were sending uh, emails on behalf of our clients who were software companies trying to drive revenue online, and I was blown away at the power of sending even a simple text-based email and. Of course, you know, pretty soon we were doing A-B testing and and much more than I would, you know, batch and blast, uh, you know, more than many people were doing in the early 2000s. So when I first saw, uh, you know, an HTML uh, editor that allowed a marketer the tools to, to build their own visually attractive, you know, nice, nice looking marketing piece. Um, that was kind of my my first love with with email marketing, but um, you know o- over time, obviously that space got super super uh, uh, crowded. The company, by the way, I, I haven't even mentioned uh, that I joined was back in 2001 was Exact Target, um, and we scaled um, had an office in London and uh, Australia and 
Brazil, et cetera, and we were acquired by Salesforce in, in 2013. But um, we we were late to the marketing automation game, you know, we, and, and uh, we uh, certainly had uh, we were had customers that we were helping on our platform that were reacting to opens and clicks with follow up emails, but we didn't initially have a, a very built out B two B, you know marketing automation, workflows, any sort of lead scoring, things that now you think are just sort of table stakes for a marketing automation platform. So we acquired Pardot, and that actually helped us get acquired by Salesforce in 2013. Um, And, you know, so to be honest, that that, uh, about 2010 was my first you know, really introduction into marketing automation and what it could do uh, with Pardot. So uh, the space, like every SaaS space, has gotten more and more uh, crowded. There's more and more technologies. There's plenty of point solutions, but then you're also seeing some cloud suites um, and, you know, competitors of ours, such as HubSpot, that have sales solutions and marketing automation solutions and have expanded. So um, what attracted me to SharpSpring specifically, I guess, was the kind of bre- the breadth of the vision um, to, uh, you know, across marketing automation and sales automation and CRM and to provide that comprehensive suite of tools to small businesses and agencies that, you know, themselves right now are just struggling with you know, what technology should they choose? And they, they, are, they're, they're, they have too many different SaaS platforms that they're paying for monthly on their credit card. They can't even keep track of them. Um, and uh, versus, and because of that, they're just not that, not that effective. So that was a long answer to your question there, Mike. But. That was a great answer. I, I mean, you did allude to something that, that I think is kind of a difficult question is, is, how would you define a, a marketing automation platform today? Because there, there appears to be lots of, you know, fuzzy edges around this this sort of uh, category. I I think that like like many things, there there might be sort of a, a fuzzy edge, you know, because we we even think broadly now as our our platform um, as a revenue growth platform, you know, and because I think it, it's helpful to bring together. The, the purpose and sort of the value proposition and how do you, how you describe a piece of software. So, you know, I mean, I think, you know, marketing automation obviously historically is a suite of tools to, to manage your leads and prospects with highly personalized and kind of behavioral based intent based communications and being able to score those prospects uh, such that you can decide, Hey, am I going to market to these people more Am I going to send them on to the sales team uh, to engage with, and you know, just to understand the the entire entirety of their journey? So I, uh, you know, so when I, when I think about that, you know, we've built a a platform, right? And it, it really is a marketing and sales platform that companies run their entire bit. <laughs> business on you know effectively running their entire business on so you'd have the your your customer prospect list and our crm and uh, you'd be building you know landing pages that integrate with your website to to capture leads as they come in you might have a, a chat bot 
Uh, you might be uh, building campaigns on our site such that you can track them and, and uh, manage uh, you know, where they get attributed. Uh, and we have something called life of the lead you know, that allows you to see actually how a prospect came into your system and all the communications they've interacted with across channels over a period of time, you know, and, and see how they move from prospect to, to lead to customer. So, I mean, I think all of those elements plus many more have, and, you know, tracking and analytics over the top to help you understand what's going on, what's working, what's not. All of those have become, you know, just almost the price of entry to, um, being part of the marketing automation, uh, you know, top tier. Mm -hmm. You mentioned actually a, a really interesting um, feature of SharpSpring. I mean, you've got a, a, a very full functional CRM um, as well as the marketing tools. Uh, whereas, you know, some of the other marketing automation vendors pretty much say, well, you're going to use Salesforce, so we'll just integrate with Salesforce. What's the logic behind having that CRM? And, and does that mean that you then become perhaps less attractive to the enterprises or is it just to don't care for the enterprises? Well, uh, I guess two, two part answer to that. I mean, first of all, we, we do play nice with, with others, you know, and in the, the age of the API economy, you have to integrate with multiple pieces of software to be effective, especially as you move more up market, you know, so uh, we, we do have a Salesforce integration, you know, um, uh, that a number of our customers use effectively. And, you know, that's something we'll be investing more in over time. By having our own CRM, you know, essentially our customers are building relationships and being able to manage those relationships between their sales team and their marketing team. Um, so it it becomes a very practical um it's hardly a leap at all really you know once you once you start driving traffic in then being able to to manage and attribute that data and flow it through the system um and then you know we 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 use and run our entire business on sharpspring as well right so mm -hmm. we 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 send promotions via sharpspring and score our leads and uh, you know, manage them with our sales team with the, with some sales optimizer call cadences and things like that. So, um, uh, you know, I think CRM is an important component. Cool. Okay. So you, you, you definitely give people the option of, you know, a third party CRM or, or the SharpSpring one. It's, you're not disadvantaged if you don't use the SharpSpring. Correct. Yeah. But yeah. there are inherent benefits uh, for why we built ours that I kind of touched mm -hmm. on there. So, yeah. yeah. And and we certainly do the same thing. I mean, uh, Napier uh, is a SharpSpring partner and we run our business on SharpSpring. And, and actually, I have to be honest, love the CRM. It works really well. So um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks um, for saying Yeah. Which brings me to another point. I mean, you did mention agencies earlier on and SharpSpring you know, feels to me to be the, the market automation platform that's most focused on working with agencies. You know, some of the other platforms are, are really very much a direct sale with consultants to support. Others have some sort of, in, you know, agency program, but SharpSpring seems, you know, very focused on working with agencies. And can you tell me why that is, why you think that's the right strategy? Sure. You know, um, agencies, 
themselves. Um, you know, many people who started agencies didn't necessarily start an agency to, uh, because they were amazing salespeople, you know, that they, they, um, nor that were they, um, software engineers, you know, (laughs) and, um, so we, we, you know, we've been really attracted to, uh, the agency arena and really built a lot of the platform around agencies because of their unique needs. Um, so an agency like many small businesses themselves is, you know, needs to generate business and move kind of beyond word of mouth, which a typical agency focuses on and uh, build, build a lead gen practice, potentially hire salespeople. Um, and, you know, so, uh, and right now, like anybody, they're, they're probably struggling with too many point solutions of different pieces of software that they're using poorly, you know, so they themselves need a way to um, uh, manage their business, you know, uh, via marketing automation. But with something like SharpSpring, um, it, you know, we've, we've built it such that, you know, they can uh, rebrand it uh, such that they can, uh, you know, we, we've got our support team dedicated to, to helping them uh, sell it and resell it and, and, and support uh, their, their clients on the platform. Um, and, you know, if you think about many businesses that, uh, you know, choose to pursue marketing automation, it's still Greek to many people, you know, and, or if you're small enough business, you might not have just might not have the the people on staff, you know, um, that have the expertise um, or time to to learn a platform. And so, you know, by partnering with agencies that learn our platform, that get certified on it, that uh, become very successful with other clients, it, it becomes a really important uh, multiplier effect, so to speak, uh, for us as a business. And, um, yeah, so the, 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 the agencies themselves get a unique benefit out of SharpSpring that they can't get with other automation platforms. Plus it doesn't hurt that we're a fraction of the cost of HubSpot and some of the others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was going to ask you about costs because, um, the cost of a marketing automation platform can be frankly very cheap you can you can look at something like an infusion soft or um uh, you know even even a mailchimp has got basic automation functions um or it can be incredibly expensive and you know some of our our clients are doing amazing things but but obviously spending a lot of money i, I mean how does a potential customer decide where they sit in that you know huge variety of costs um, and how much they should look you know should be expecting to pay for a marketing automation system um, well, I, I think you, you, you need to decide, you know, what's right for your business. And, you know, I think m- many, uh, businesses are at the point, especially if they're just getting into marketing automation, where they simply have to create the, the discipline around, um, uh, you know, uh, campaigns and, uh, lead generation and lead scoring and be able to manage, you know, uh, uh, leads between a marketing and a sales team. Um, and I, I would say mo- many clients and even agencies of ours uh, kind of start out not using all of the platform, you know, not using 
all that it can do. Um, and so I think that that's broadly true for SaaS software everywhere. I think um, many companies buy software on the promise of what it can do, but don't effectively bring all of those capabilities to, to bear. And so, um, you, you know, we are, we've got hundreds of customers, you know, on review sites like Captera and G2 Crowd that have rated us to, as well or better than, uh, you know, HubSpot and some of their other competitors. So I, you know, I would just say, you know, uh, why pay too much <laughs> for something, <laughs> you know, when, when you have the chance to, to get uh, a very similar type of outcome, which is really important, right? You should buy, I think, SaaS software based on the outcomes you can achieve. Uh, and you can get very similar outcomes uh, with SharpSpring. I think that's a great point. I mean, we've we, we've used HubSpot in the past, and and I have to be honest, I love HubSpot. I think it's it's a great product, but we we moved across to SharpSpring, and there's virtually nothing we did on HubSpot we can't do on SharpSpring. Um, right. And, yeah. and you're absolutely right. The the pricing is very attractive too. Yeah. No question. And you know, specifically again to to agencies, you know, it, it allows them uh, the ability to. To, to make a margin and create re- recurring revenue streams, which are which are difficult to for some agencies to do that are, you know, might be sort of project work to project work, and, you know, and always, uh, you know, having to kill what they eat, so to speak. I mean, you know, being able to have some of the benefits of a SaaS recurring model as part of your agency is is helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, maybe we can move on and talk a little bit about actually using the product. You know, I mean, one of the things I'm interested in is is where do you see people getting, you know, really outstanding return on investment from using SharpSpring? Is there a, a particular part of the tool or a particular approach that works really well? Um, you, know, you know, it's uh, I'm trying to decide where to where to start there. Um, I think it's. Um, when I think back to to my email marketing career, and when I when I think back to, um, well, any, any point in my career, uh, you know, the the companies, the the customers that that I worked with that were doing it effectively, had um, a great understanding of the customer journey, and were cognizant about how they were engaging with customers at different different ways through the, through the platform. So um, when I think about, uh, again, you know, I, I had mentioned life of the lead before, but being able to capitalize effectively on the different segments inside of your platform uh, and be reactive to uh, the pieces of content that they're engaging with on your website, uh, the, the events that you're doing, um, being able to uh, then segment the, uh, your prospects and customers based on the content uh, that they're engaging with. You know, I think we have got a, a number of different clients that uh, have built some workflows, uh, automated workflows on the platform that make, uh, you know, prospects, you know, feel like 
they're an individual that's heard, you know? So I think broadly, you know, the, uh, it's the holistic approach across channels and being reactive to where the customer is in their journey. So, I mean, that's typically an approach that works really, really, uh, effectively. And it's, it's, you know, with that said, it's interesting how you're seeing commonalities emerge uh, across our agency partners and, uh, you know, their clients. Um, many of them are sort of kind of returning to things like, uh, you know, on-site optimization. And, you know, one of the tools that we launched earlier in 2020 was chatbots, you know, the ability to install a chatbot on your website such that you can engage somebody while they're browsing your website. Um, you know, similar to, you're familiar with these, Mike, like Drift and some mm-hmm. of the other chatbots mm-hmm. that are out there, right? So in, also in our platform has been chatbots. And we are, you know, pleasantly surprised at how well that has been adopted uh, by our partners and they're using it effectively to kind of kick off uh, you know, uh, a cold lead into uh, a set of set of journeys with the company. I mean, chatbots are, are very interesting to me because you know we've we've had quite a few projects around them internally where we're looking at it. Um, I think the biggest challenge people have is how do you manage and determine where that handover is from a chatbot to a human where particularly if you're you're not a huge company, you can't put answers to every possible question into the chatbot. So you have to define that handover. Do you have any suggestions as to how people can can do that more effectively? You know, I, I think the 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 chatbots that I've seen and I've interacted with myself, I think um, they, they they work on converting you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so I, I think, you know, that's how I would advise people. I, I don't think in the context of a, a marketing tool on the front of your website, um, you certainly want to be helpful and route route them if they're an existing customer to the your support team, or if they're a prospect, you know, figure out how to get them to a, a sales team. Um, you, you're not like a, uh, uh, unless you're like a knowledge base or something and you're tr- trying to answer endless questions from your, from your chatbot. I think that the main purpose of it is to, uh, to co- co- qualify, to triage and to help to get them to the right place as, as quickly as possible. So I think, you know, uh, with, with that said, you can be pretty personal, you know, um, by mapping out the the most common scenarios, which you learn very quickly um, when people begin to engage with you, you know what are the what are the top ten reasons people are engaging with us a chatbot, and so it's the type of thing you you're not going to nail out of the park when you start it for sure, but you're going to get better over time. And it sounds like the the customer journey comes back into there about you know pushing people down that customer journey, and and that really defines when you hand over is is where they're at the right stage in that journey. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is absolutely right. Where, when you hand them over and who you hand them over to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the, the chat bot is, is probably, you know, one of the first sort of um, times where marketers will really use AI 
um, in their marketing campaigns. I, I'm interested to know, you know, what sort of impact do you think AI will have on marketing in the future? You know, I, it's interesting. I've seen AI emerging as important in, in a lot of the, the SaaS suites out there. Um, um, in, in, in many people are engaging with it day to day and don't even really notice it. But, um, you know, I think now I, I use Google Mail, for example, um, and, you know, it, it's suggesting finishes to my sentence. <laughs> you know, for example, at first was kind of annoying and you weren't used to it. And now you expect that it actually makes you a lot more productive uh, and, and effective. Um, there's uh, there's another technology I'm, I'm aware of, uh, a company called Pattern89 that does predictive uh, AI around the social space. So by scanning all of the Facebook ads in the world and looking for commonalities and uh, uh, kind of engagement of those different ads can can provide to marketers best practices for, for trends and colors and pictures, like how many people they should have in their pictures for their ads or what colors they should be using, <laughs> um, you know, over time to, just to take some of the guesswork out of it for marketers, you know. Um, and, you know, I think that the same opportunity exists and are, are similar as part of a marketing automation platform, you know, what content is uh, most likely to be engaging, um, you know, clearly, you know, personalization and dynamic content have gone on for gone, been used forever uh, in, in email and in marketing automation. And you can do that as well with, with SharpSpring. Um, but over time, I can, I can see AI being uh, an exciting exciting layer for marketing automation because of the predictive aspect of, of what and when and how. And, you know, one thing I'm interested in is obviously AI tends to need very large training sets. So if you work in a, a particular market niche, you're never going to have that much data to be able to train up a, an AI engine. Do, do you think people will be able to apply learnings across much broader industries into theirs? Or do you think there'll be problems in converting, you know, for example, what engineering does in general through to a very specific aspect of engineering? Um, it's a great question. I, I think there's certainly opportunity to, you know, much like the company I mentioned has, could, could pull in information from a broad data set and, and be effective. I think, you know, one of the things with marketing automation, which might be a little bit unique, is often you're sort of reacting to an action. You know, um, uh, you know, w w once you have the, the ad itself, you know, the, the automation is, uh, you know, a, a set of logic, um, you know, that's that builds on what you learn from uh, you know, customers over time. And, and so the, the kind of the, uh, the end all be all goal for marketers is to get the, you know, one to one right content at the right time to the right person. And um, so, you know, if, if, if AI can get more information about me specifically, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it could be really, really effective. Um, but I, I think, uh, Anyway, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but I, I think it's uh, it's it's compelling to think about being able to pull in a broader data set without being spooky about it uh, to the to the end user, because uh, otherwise, 
I think you can be very effective interacting with them based on what they've told you and how they've behaviorally interacted with your website or your advertising or your sales team, et cetera. Brilliant. Now that, that's that's really, really interesting. And I think it, it raises some interesting possibilities, particularly, you know, as you say about people who can pull a broad data set and then get, you know, general trends about what's happening in the world that that informs marketers. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I guess until we've got those AIs helping us, we're going to have to do it our, you know, do it ourselves as marketers. And and I'm sure one of the things people would love to know is is what they should avoid doing. What are the kind of, you know, biggest mistakes people make with marketing automation? Yeah, I, I think um, what we what we've noticed are a couple things. You know, um, so so one I think I already touched down a little bit, which is uh, you know, using your marketing automation platform like a batch and blast email platform, you know, um, because that's not what it's built for. You know, it's it's not built for for you to send, uh, you know, non-targeted communications to people that you've never engaged with, right? So yeah, that's yeah. definitely definitely a no-no for for multiple reasons, including obviously getting getting spammed, spammed out and blocked and things like that. But it's also not as effective. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it is not an effective strategy. So um, I think, uh, again, the, it, takes, it takes planning. It takes a bit of time to do it correctly. And again, you know, when I think about some of the work we're doing ourselves now and that I've done with clients historically, um, you have to write down, you have to document uh, your customer journey and understand every stage of it and understand what their motivations are and what your motivations are and how you can move those, uh, move those along. And because it, so you, you're starting out uh, planfully thinking about that, that's from uh, th that's how you determine what content at what stage you're going to be, uh, you know, using um, and of course, you're going to want to be able to understand how people are getting into your marketing funnel, right? So don't run, don't run campaigns, uh, you know, to your website that you don't have a tracking code on, <laughs> for example, you know, uh, build, build campaigns top to bottom as much as possible so that you're, you're tracking them from the moment the ad is seen and interacted with and makes its way to, uh, your your website and then your automation system. So, um, I guess you know the the answer is use the tools that are there uh, because uh, they're pretty amazingly powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned earlier about the fact that that the marketing automation tools look across that whole customer journey. And and to me, you know, what you're saying there is exactly the same thing. You need to make use of the tool across the whole journey and not use it as a you know point tactic for sending out an email blast um but rather think about it as a a tool to ease people along that journey to becoming a customer right right i mean there's there's a long period of time where you know people are out researching your business and they're looking at competitors businesses and they're trying to decide who are they going to do business with and so they you know they might visit 20 sites, they make make it back to your site a few different times, and finally they'll engage with uh, an ad or a download, or they'll come to an event, or they'll and they'll do that for a period of time, you know, while you're 
kind of engaging and reacting to them. And, uh, you know, over time, that if that continued engagement makes an individual prospect interesting and interesting inside of a CRM or a marketing automation platform, because they're, you know, assuming you have lead scoring set up, they're going to score really well. And you're going to then be able to route that lead appropriately. And this is all just before they even become a customer. So, you know, um, you know, or, or moved into your official sales funnel where they're engaging with you, you know, and then post, you know, post interaction. So it really is, it really is being cognizant of the, of the entire journey and being able to, to react to all the stages really with effective content that's thought through. That's great. I, I mean, there's been so many great tips here, but I, I need to ask you a bit of a cheeky question. I mean, obviously, you know, you were working exact target, got acquired by Salesforce. Um, you know, they're an incredible company. You've moved across to Sharpspring um, now. What what do you see in Sharpspring that convinces you that um, you're going to be successful over the next, you know, five to ten years, the longer term, competing against, you know, frankly, some some very big names in the industry. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Mike. And th there's so much of what I feel here at SharpSpring. Um, you know, we're about a 250-person organization. It feels a little bit like deja vu. I mean, it feels like some of my experiences, you know, uh, growing with other SaaS companies at a similar stage where there's still such a sense of entrepreneurialism and can do and we can we, we can build this um, we uh, you know it still feels like the sky I guess is kind of the limit and when you look at total addressable market you know with our our main market agencies right now is gigantic just in the US United States alone but also obviously in the uh, UK and out and throughout uh, Europe um, and you know, there's there's plenty of room for uh, for different technologies to uniquely uh, solve the needs of different customer segments. So, you know, I, I think we, as a, a company like um, well, any company, I'll just say a generic uh, gets acquired into uh, a large suite, it's more difficult for them to to innovate. Um, whereas, you know, we're we're a public company, but we're still pretty scrappy, you know. So there's still <laughs> there's still there's still a lot that we can do on our own. It's pretty exciting. That sounds great. I I, I mean, we're certainly looking forward to um, seeing you know what happens at SharpSpring and and what features you release going forward. So that that's that's really exciting news to hear that you're you're proactively doing that. Yeah, I, I, I think there's uh, th there's a huge passion for. Uh, as you can see by the breadth of the platform now, but just building out functionality that's certainly requested by our customers, but just, you know, solving problems for businesses. That's great. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that that you're quite limited for time today, so I appreciate you uh, spending the time to talk to me. Um, before you go, what's the best way for people to get hold of you if they have questions about SharpSpring? Well, if, if they'd love to learn more about SharpSpring, um, we, we actually developed a uh, a campaign in a specific URL for specifically for this podcast, Mike, which uh, we're, we're eating our own dog food, drinking our own <laughs> champagne, however you describe it. So, and it's uh, sharpspring.com slash B2B podcast. 
And uh, you can learn more about SharpSpring, certainly on SharpSpring.com. But if you go to the slash B2B podcast, you can register to get a demo and, and we'll show you the breadth of the platform. We'd love to do so. Oh, that's amazing. I think that that's uh, that'll be great. And I'm sure anyone listening to this would love to uh, to go and take a look at SharpSpring and uh, try out the link. Um, thank you so much for being on, Chip. I, I really appreciate your time. It was uh, really fun, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's do it again. Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.